Hello, everybody. Welcome to Potions and Potpourri. This is a Dungeons and Dragons variety show podcast where we talk about a bunch of different topics. We do things like interview TTRPG guests in the space. We sometimes do a spur the moment potion segment. And we often also get to do live plays, which is kind of what we're doing today. So today it is just me, Kayla. Hi. Keisha has already recorded a similar segment to this. We are doing a single person TTRPG. And we decided that we both wanted to do this individually without really talking about the story at all other than, you know, just the general synopsis and then playing it individually and coming together to talk about it later. So we are both recording our parts individually and then we will edit them together into one live play and compare where we made our choices. So today I am playing The Silent Garden a solo journaling game by Siren Song Games, written by Megan Cross. Initially discovered this game while listening to the Snyder's Return podcast. If you haven't checked them out, they have some pretty cool live play stuff, and they do some really good interviews as well. Now, Snyder's Return was interviewing Megan Cross about Siren Song Games and just about writing solo RPG games and about writing TTRPG games in general, especially as a woman. And it was a really good interview, and it kind of put her on the map for me. So she mentioned briefly in that interview, The Silent Garden, and it really got me interested. So I decided to purchase it and pitched it to Keisha that we should both try and play it and see what we think. So this will be a mostly live play with a little bit of a review thrown in. So. I am just going to start reading each page of this PDF. It is going to give us kind of an overview of the story. We're also going to read the directions. And then I will just narrate what I am playing and what path I choose. And then we will play this game together. Medusa once had charms. To gain her love, a rival crowd of envious lovers strove. They, who have seen her, own, they ne'er did trace, more moving features and a sweeter face. Yet above all, her length of hair, they own, in golden ringlets waved, and graceful shone. But on the ravished virgin vengeance takes, her shining hair is changed to hissing snakes. But on the ravished virgin vengeance takes, her shining hair is changed to hissing snakes. These in her aegis palace joys to bear. The hissing snakes, her foes more sure and snare than they did lovers once when shining hair. And that is quoted by Ovid Metamorphoses. So that's kind of just the intro blurb, um, assumably to get you in the mood. All right, here is the synopsis. You are Medusa. Once beautiful, you were cursed centuries ago by the gods, and now all who look upon you turn to stone. Resigned to your fate, you have made a place for yourself far away from anyone who would seek you. You have tended your garden in peace for a long time, content to spend your days alone among the flowers and trees. As much as your strive for a life of peaceful solitude, it does not go uninterrupted. They always manage to find you. And one by one, they shall all meet the same fate turn to stone and curse to take their place in your garden.
You remember them all well, each person who made their way into the garden, each person who now resides among your flowers. Each day, you walk your garden, checking in on your companions, remembering who they were as you tend to your plants. Oh, man. I love that. That's really cool. Um, You know, it's only a dozen lines or so to really set up this whole game. And uh, you don't really need much more than that. So it's nice and simple, but really well written and to the point. Okay, now we have instructions. Playing the game. All you need to play the Silent Garden is something to write on and something to write with. So I have that. I've got myself a pen and my notebook. When you're ready to step into the garden, begin at the beginning. (laughs) Yes, and make your way through, choosing what paths you take. When you reach a statue, use the prompts to tell the story of who they were and how they came to reside in your garden. These stories can be as long or as short as you want. Spend as much time as you need with each one. When you are finished, approach the next set of paths and choose your next route. Continue making your way through, answering the prompts and telling the story of your statues until you reach the garden's end. When you reach the last statue, the game is over. Interesting. So it sounds like there's going to be prompts for each of the statues, and then we build the story of who they are. Okay, well, let's just dive right into it. This first page is called Walking the Garden. You step into the garden, the sun warm upon your face. The path diverges a few steps beyond the gate. The path to the right is defined, but less traveled recently. The small vines have begun to creep their way in. The path to the left is worn, footprints from yesterday's walk still fresh in the dirt. Which path do you choose? Um, well, I'm sure Keisha did this too, but I bet we'll find out. I almost... Certainly I'm going to go left, because that is what good adventurers do. You always go left. So, if you choose the left path, go to number one. And I'm just going to write... I'm not sure if there's going to be prompts along the way to write down what I'm supposed to do or not, but I'm just going to start kind of making notes just in case I need them. So I'm just going to write that I went left first. So if you chose the left path, go to number one. So, number one. The well-worn path is short, the very first one you created when you began to tend your garden. You make a note to yourself and move some of the brighter flowers from other sections of the garden here for a change of scenery along the well-traveled trail. In mere moments, you find yourself coming upon a familiar statue, one you've looked upon hundreds of times before. The first person you turned. Hmm. Who were they? Was turning them intentional? How long ago did you turn them? Interesting. Okay, so... The first choice is the first person you ever turned. So... I don't know much about the mythological history of Medusa. um, And I'm sure that's not necessarily the point in this game. Because it is a role-playing game, so you're probably meant to kind of make up your own story about her. With that being said, I think the prompt questions here, who were they, was turning them intentional? How long ago did you turn them? I would say in this particular story of Medusa, that since the ability that she has is actually a curse by the gods, right? I mean, that was said in the beginning of the game as well. So it's a curse, which to me kind of makes me think that the first person she turned wouldn't necessarily have been on purpose. 
Um, perhaps she wasn't fully aware of what her curse would entail, and she turned a young child, maybe somebody that she knew from her village, that she would often help gather resources such as, uh, you know, berries or um, help to get the wheat for the bread in the morning or whatever. <laughs> um, and so perhaps this child came to Medusa, whatever her real name used to be, and um, wanted to go about their almost daily chores where Medusa would help her, and Medusa did not know the power of her curse and accidentally turned this young friend into her first statue. So who were they? A young village girl. Friend. <laughs> Was not intentional. And how long ago? Gosh, I mean, at this point, thousands of years, probably. I guess um, it's purposefully ambiguous as for how long you've been in the garden, or been tending the garden, I should say. So I'm gonna say it's been thousands of years. Cool. Okay. So continuing on to this prompt. Moving forward, you see two paths before you. The path on the left is narrow and appears clear enough to pass through, but thorns and brambles can be seen lining its edges, ready to grab and harm should someone walk too closely. The path on the right is a short path, surrounded by two small patches of violets, their faces reaching up towards the sun. The clearing ahead is visible from the trail's beginning. Okay, so there's a clearing just shortly off on the right path. And the left path has the thorns and brambles. I think we're gonna keep choosing the left path. Alright. If you choose the left path, go to number three. Number three it is. Some of these pages are split with both of the next numbers. So for example, the three prompt is on the bottom of the same page it has the two prompt from the first path choice. So it took me a minute to kind of find it, but here we go. All right, second left choice. You hadn't planned on passing this way, but you allow your feet to lead you forward along a slight bend. The wind blows lightly across your face and you close your eyes as you continue to walk. When you open your eyes again, you are face to face with an unloved statue unmaintained and weather-stained, their lifeless eyes staring at you, the eyes of someone you hate. Okay, <laughs> definitely a different vibe than the first statue, that is for sure. And let me tell you, uh, we are going through it with these kind of emotional connections to the statues. So, prompts for statue number two. Who were they? Why did you hate them? Did you delight in turning them? An unloved and unmaintained statue who you hated. This is really interesting. It's, <laughs> I gotta say, I wasn't quite prepared to do so much um, world building. I guess I didn't really know what to expect when you do a solo RPG. I mean, it is role-playing, right? So you're gonna have to be kind of doing some kind of uh, prompt answering, right? I think this person... Well, you know, as... I got stuck in my thoughts here for a second because my first thought that came to mind as to who this hated statue would be would have been 
the god or gods, perhaps, that uh, cursed me initially. But then I kind of went on a short rabbit hole in my brain there about, well, like, could Medusa even... Could Medusa even curse or turn one of the gods that cursed her, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I said, you know what, who cares? This is our story. We're playing a solo RPG. So yes, she can. Perhaps that was uh, the god's greatest flaw in cursing her in the first place, is that the curse can be bestowed on anybody, including gods. So, second prompt is this unmaintained statue of somebody that we hate. And who are they? The god that cursed us. Well, obviously we know why we hate them. Because they have caused us to destroy so many lives and be this kind of monster that only people can see instead of actually knowing who we are. And in fact, we probably never even get to know anybody in a genuine way because of our curse of turning people to stone as soon as we look upon them. I think that's reason enough to hate somebody. And then the final question in this prompt is, did you delight in turning them? Absolutely. It was probably so satisfying to finally realize that her power was essentially limitless. Okay, cool. That was fun. Alright, so, going away from this path. What appears to be one trail leading away from the clearing quickly splits into two. On the left is a walkway lined with tall trees on either side, their branches leaning over the path, causing it to be shaded, small points of sunlight peeking through and illuminating small patches on the graveled path. The right is a sunlit path, lined with only two types of flowers, planted together so that they were growing as one. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> the walkway cuts through the center of the growth, not as well defined as others. Only several large stepping stones to guide the way through. Ooh, I really like that. I know I should probably keep going left, but we gotta mix it up a little bit right, and the right path sounds honestly pretty pleasant. So I'm gonna choose the sunlit path with the large stepping stones. So that is the right, and we need to go to number seven. Wow, we're skipping a lot to go to number seven. Okay, this is appropriate though. Heart heavy, you press on down the path. Well, like I said, that's appropriate, considering that I was revisiting a nightmare of one of the most hated statues in my garden. So heart heavy, you press on down the path. The section of trail is well-worn, walked countless times over. It is lined with your favorite flowers, yours and theirs. The favorite flowers of the person you were visiting grow intermingled with your own as you make your way to the clearing and see them there. Someone you loved. Well, I think this one seems pretty, maybe not obvious, but I think the prompting with the flowers and stuff would be um, a lover. And I think I'm going to even go one step further and think about the flowers. And I think I'm going to choose wildflowers that are local to my region in real life. And I'm going to choose lupines as their flowers and paintbrushes as mine, growing together along this well-worn path. So we went right for this path to a statue lined with mingling flowers. And the prompts here are the same, and I assume at this point that they're probably all going to be mostly the same. There seems to be three questions about who they were, what relationship you had with them, and how they got turned. So I think from here on out I can kind of expect that, even though they'll all be worded slightly different each time. Okay. So, who were they? A lover. 
Yes, I mean, that seems pretty obvious, right? But why did you love them? They had a laugh that could light up a room. And they had strong, capable hands. Why did you turn them? It was an accident, of course. I assume that this was a person that Medusa loved before her curse. Maybe before she was even named Medusa. And perhaps this lover thought that Medusa just disappeared off the face of the earth and maybe is presumed dead at this point. But Medusa had been admiring them from afar after her curse. Especially after having turned a few people and knowing what she was capable of. And she would watch them go about their daily life and her heart would hurt quite a bit to see them. But also she felt joyful because at least they were still happy. And one day as she was following them on a hunting mission through the woods, she lost sight of them and turned a blind corner to almost smack into them face to face. It was at that point that she realized there would be no going back. And so she had to bring the statue to her garden where at least they could still be together. <sighs> so not wanting to linger any longer. Yeah, I wouldn't either. You tear yourself away and move towards the next set of paths. The left is a short path made of stones, the clearing it leads to just visible ahead. The flowers that line it are not blooming yet, but buds can be seen on nearly every stem. On the right is an overgrown section path, or what was once a path. Where the walkway was once defined, it is now peppered with greenery and roots, making their way across. So the left is another short path. This one made of stones leading to a clearing just ahead. That's kind of similar to one of the original paths that we were able to choose from. And the second is a overgrown section that doesn't seem to be walked as much that is peppered with greenery and roots. I'm going to pick left again. That one sounds a little bit more inviting in my opinion. So left, we're going to go to number nine. Emotions are high. Yeah, no joke. Emotions are high as you step into the next section of the path. Breathing in deep, you hold the air in your lungs for a few steps before slowly letting it out. You know who was in the clearing ahead. Try as you might, you can never seem to avoid their section of the garden. Your conscience won't allow it. Up ahead, shaded by a single weeping cherry tree, they stand silent and waiting. Someone you regret turning. Okay, so this one to me seems pretty similar to the second option of... Or even the first one of who was the first person that we turned and do you regret it? So this one is, I guess, along the same vein. It states already that you have regret for turning them. And again, the questions are the same. Who were they? Why do you regret turning them? How did their transformation occur? And I actually like in this one that the third question is a little bit more specific about what the transformation is. So I'm just going to write down my path real quick. And so as I was reading this, and I'm not really sure why, but um, as I was reading even just like the regretfulness and the weeping cherry tree that the statue stands silent awaiting under, my initial thought, for whatever reason, maybe just from having little tidbits of random Greek mythological lore in my head, was that this person was actually a folk hero. So, you know, like a Hercules type that was pretty well-renowned throughout the country 
um, and did some pretty incredible deeds, slew some menacing monsters and that sort of thing. And he would have been well known and perhaps, perhaps he was sent on a mission to maybe fetch something from her garden or just stumbled in there on accident on another important mission. And Medusa found him lost in the garden. And by the time they actually locked eyes, it was too late. And as for how did their transformation occur, I like to imagine just kind of the stereotypical kind of like, not even like from the feet up to the head of your skin is turning to stone, but more just like you look away and then the screen pans back and they just don't exist as a person anymore. So I feel like it'd be pretty quick, but probably within like a second or less, um, the curse would take hold and your organs would just stop and all of your body parts would just suddenly be stone and not flesh. So at least it'd be quick. Maybe there's some solace in that. Okay. <sighs> Taking a deep breath, you press on deeper into the garden before you are two paths. What a shocker. <laughs> on the left, a walkway edged with short, ivy-colored trellis. The ivy is so sick that the trellis is nearly invisible beneath the green leaves. On the right, a path carpeted with vines. Various creeping plants have covered what was once a stone walkway, twisting themselves around the stepping stones. <sighs> These both kind of feel similar to me, but um, I like left. Left is always good, so we're going to go left again. So number 13 is the prompt that it is taking us to. So we're taking the walkway with the trellis. Okay. And we're going to number 13. I believe we're getting close to the end here. I'm skipping quite a few pages at this point. So just by matter of following the prompts, not like on purpose or anything. Okay. So number 13, you know who is ahead. I mean, of course you do. This is your garden, right? I mean, you've wandered these paths pretty much endlessly for the last thousands of years. Maybe you don't always take the same path twice, but you've been here multiple times, right? So you know who is ahead. You know where the ivy-edged path you are walking on leads. It is not a hard path to walk. It is one of the more clear and well-worn paths in the centuries-old garden. But walking it bears a heavier weight than most. You find yourself cracking a half-hearted smile as you see them appear before you, a wreath of flowers laying at their marble feet. Someone who asked you to turn them. Ooh. Now that's cool. So uh, something a little bit different, which is kind of refreshing, because even though this has been really fun and exciting, it was getting a little stale in the sense of it was either like somebody that deserved to be turned or somebody that you regretted returning. So to have it be somebody who asked you to turn them and almost a statue that seems to almost be almost like you're worshiping it because there's a wreath of flowers laying at their marble feet. So who were they? Why did they ask you to turn them? Did you do it happily or begrudgingly? Okay, so I like this one. Um, kind of keeping with the vague Greek mythological theme, I... My brain first went to that this was a monster, or it was at least considered a monster among the common folk of this country. 
Not totally sure what they look like, but they definitely were branded as probably bad. Possibly were doing bad things, whether it was intentional or not, who knows. And they were unhappy in their life, and instead of being brutally killed by some <laughs> traveling band of adventurers, for example, they sought out Medusa for refuge from the cruel world, and we granted it to them. But that's who they were, and why they asked us to turn them. I would say, after hearing their story, Medusa did not actually believe that they were a monster. I mean, she too has lived being thought of as a monster, right? So she would have understood what it was like to live under a gaze like that. So... I wouldn't say she did it happily, but she certainly didn't do it begrudgingly. More of a, um, as a favor, with a little bit of pity, hoping that they would find peace, if you will. Okay, just writing my notes down. Yeah, so they were tired of running from what essentially would have been a D&D &D party, always trying to kill them, right? <laughs> okay, I believe we're on to the last one. So you pause for a moment taking a deep breath and breathing it out. You see two paths up ahead, knowing they will lead you to the garden's end. You only have one choice to make. The left is a walkway bathed in sunlight, blooming trees on either side, flowers drooping onto the path at eye level. The packed earth path is blanketed in fallen petals. The right is a simple short path. Large stones make up a carefully placed walkway edged by low pink flowers. Evidence of frequent travel is shown in indents on the stones. Um, finishing strong here, <laughs> but um, I definitely think the left path sounds the best. I think we need a little bit of light and peace from nature here as we finish out this kind of emotional journey. And the left path with all of the blooming trees and flowers honestly sounds a little bit more calming. So, if you choose the left path... Go to number 14. You step onto the path, the last path you will walk today. It is a path that you try to walk as often as you can to make sure you can pay the proper respect to the person waiting for you at the end of it. Gathering some flowers carefully as you make your way to the clearing, you have a sizable banquet by the time you have reached the path's end. Approaching the statue and removing the previously placed flowers, you lay the new bundle at its feet and look up into the eyes of someone who tried to save you. Who were they? Why were they determined to save you? And how did they try? Um, this one, for some reason, is really easy for me. <clears throat> and I instantly thought it was her mother. So uh, her mother was still alive when Medusa was cursed. And maybe whisperings from the folk heroes, such as the one that we visited earlier in the story. Or even just, I'm sure Medusa became a rumor pretty rapidly within this country. Um, she sought her out, hoping that she could find a way to lift the curse and bring her back home. She may have even prayed to their local deities to try and get some guidance or to even talk to the one that had laid the curse on her before. But as we know, <laughs> they were eventually turned to, to stone. So yeah, that one was kind of easy for me. I'm going to write my notes down for that, but I think we're going to move on. Oh, okay. So that's the last page. And that's interesting. Um, I guess it just ends at this last statue. It does say that you are at the end of the garden path. 
but there's not really any like summary or like this is the end of the game <laughs> um, other than this is the last path and the last statue. So yeah, that was it. That was our journey through Medusa's garden. Um, Keisha and I will be discussing this together and we will kind of blend our two stories into one kind of solo RPG. And then we will kind of discuss and maybe even review. And then we will discuss and probably review our thoughts on the game as well as why we chose the path that we chose and also talk about um, the decisions that we came up with during this role-playing journey. So yeah, that was the solo RPG game, Medusa's Garden, written by Megan Cross by Siren Song Games. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Potions and Potpourri. We'll catch you on the next one. Snide's Return is a tabletop role-playing game interviews and actual play podcast. We interview content creators, Twitch streamers, and fellow podcasters, and we put out our own actual play using a variety of different systems. So come and join us, come and have a listen. You can find us on Twitter at Return Snyder. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, or check out our website at www.snidesreturn.squarespace.com. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Potions and Potpourri. Uh, we are a podcast where we primarily focus on Dungeons and Dragons related topics. Uh, every now and then we'll bring on a guest to interview. We sometimes have the occasional live play, and every now and then we also have a segment that we refer to as a potions segment. Um, where we just kind of do something a little different, make up something on the fly. If you couldn't tell already, today is going to be a little bit different. It's just me right now, Keisha. Kayla will not be here for this portion of the recording. That is because we are going to try something neither of us have tried before, actually. Um, and we're going to record our experiences individually at separate times and then once we have both done that we will then get together and just kind of compare and review um specifically what we are doing is a solo ttrpg so this is actually a game where you're supposed to play this by yourself so what we will be playing is called the silent garden a solo journaling game by Sirens Song Games, written by Megan Cross. So thank you, Megan Cross, for this. I have not actually read this yet. I don't know what the prompts are. I don't really know much of the story, except I know you are playing as Medusa and you are walking through a garden, I believe, of statues. Just gonna go ahead and dive in and see how it goes. Medusa once had charms. To gain her love, a rival crowd of envious lovers strove. They who have seen her own, they ne'er did trace more moving features in a sweeter face. 
Yet above all, her length of hair they own, and golden ringlets waved, and graceful shone. But on the ravished virgin vengeance takes, her shining hair is changed to hissing snakes. These, in her aegis palace joys to bear, the hissing snakes her foes more sure ensnare than they did lovers once when shining hair. Ovid Metamorphosis You are Medusa. Once beautiful, you were cursed centuries ago by the gods, and now all who look upon you turn to stone. Resigned to your fate, you have made a place for yourself far away from anyone who would seek you. You have tended your garden in peace for a long time, content to spend your days alone among the flowers and trees. As much as you strive for a life of peaceful solitude, it does not go uninterrupted. They always manage to find you. And one by one, they all meet the same fate, turned to stone and cursed to take their place in your garden. You remember them all well, each person who made their way into the garden. Each person who now resides among your flowers. Each day, you walk your garden, checking in on your companions, remembering who they were as you tend to your plants. You step into the garden, the sun warm upon your face. The path diverges a few steps beyond the gate. The path to the right is defined, but less traveled recently, the small vines beginning to creep their way in. The path to the left is worn, footprints from yesterday's walk still fresh in the dirt. Which path do you take? I am going to go to the left, um, even though that is the one that is very worn and clearly it seems I have gone that way many times. There's a reason. The well-worn path is short. The very first one you created when you began to tend to your garden. You make a note to yourself to move some of the brighter flowers from other sections of the garden here for a change of scenery along the well-traveled trail. In mere moments, you find yourself coming upon a familiar statue. One you have looked upon hundreds of times before the first person you turned. Who were they? Was turning them intentional? How long ago did you turn them? The first statue that I see in this garden, it is one that, because it is the oldest one from, gosh, so many years ago now, it's hard to count. Because it's been here for so long, I imagine that the form, the features are smoothed out a bit. They are no longer as detailed as uh, they originally were, but it doesn't matter because I remember, I remember the details well enough that I really don't need to see them to see them. I reach out my hand and gently caress the face, tracing Wombat, why? Alright, hang on. This is gonna be really hard to do with my cat interrupting me every five minutes. Alright. Even though I have seen this face thousands of times, 
Honestly, it's actually the one statue that I make a point to see it every single day because it's too difficult not to, but then at the same time, it's too difficult to see the face. The one that looks back at me is, in my opinion, probably the most beautiful woman I have ever seen. She had such wide, innocent eyes and a smile that lights up any room. Her hair is just this tumble of curls that fall about across her face and down her shoulders. She wears a very simple dress. She was lowborn at that time, but you would never really tell with the sort of air she had about herself. It wasn't necessarily the narcissistic kind. No, it was more of a just a confidence in herself and a love for herself. She was proud to be who she was and was not afraid to show it. You could see it in the way that she is standing now in her statuesque form. Many, perhaps, would think that she wasn't much to look at, but to me, she was everything. And seeing her here, in some ways, makes me feel comforted, because she is the one that I truly love and the one that I truly knew of all the statues here, but at the same time, it tears me apart knowing that she's here because of me. It was not intentional, of course. I did not really know or understand this curse that was laid about me uh, all those years ago. She was the only one who helped me, who reached out to me and didn't see me as a monster like all the others did. And yet, because of an unfortunate circumstance and so many things that were outside of my control and so many things that I just didn't know her turning to stone was the result of it all. And it was actually at that point where my anger and my rage just overcame everything else. When you lose the one thing that you really had, the one thing that held you together, when it crumbles away before you, when it disappears, when you see those eyes so full of life become so empty, you lose yourself. And the result is something that I am not proud of. It's still a shame that I carry, but at that time, in that moment, and with that anger, that was the only solution that I could see. After what had happened that day, I I went back to her in that form. She had never expected it, so she was still just giving me that smile that she used to in the moment that she locked eyes with mine and turned to stone. That beautiful moment forever frozen. It was there where the first person I turned, the first person I loved, that is where I started my garden. It 
was in a place that a long time ago was secret to everyone but us. It was the place that we would meet. So it is there, here, that I began my garden. Moving forward, you see two paths before you. The path on the left is narrow and appears clear enough to pass through, but thorns and brambles can be seen lining its edges, ready to grab and harm should someone walk too closely. The path on the right is a short path, surrounded by two small patches of violets, their faces reaching up towards the sun. The clearing ahead is visible from the trail's beginning. At this point, after, as this happens every time, having such an emotional response to seeing that first statue of the one who, whose name only I will ever know, whose name I will take to my grave because I feel I'm the only one worthy of ever uttering it, I need to shake it off and I need something brighter. I need something to help lift my spirits again because seeing her is always hard. So I'm going to ignore the narrow and brambly path. It's not... I'm, I'm not in the space to go in that direction, so I go to the right. This section of path is short. You have no sooner stepped onto it than you spot the small clearing at its end. Despite years that have passed and attempted avoidance, you still end up in this clearing, as you so often do. Sitting in the center of it is the petrified visage of someone you want to forget. Who were they? Why do you want to forget them? Despite wanting to forget them, why do you still visit? This is the face of one who I struggle with seeing. This is a fellow sister, actually, a Medusa herself. I am not the only one. I may have been the first, but I was not the last, unfortunately. The way that we are made is terrible, and it has always broken my heart to hear that there were others who also fell victim to it. I knew that she had only just recently turned because of how wrathful she was. I was the same. That's primarily what one feels when your life is literally taken from you and molded into something you didn't want. So of course, she was angry. At that point in time, this was after the first statue. I made a point to isolate myself and tend to the small garden at that time that was blooming all around her, because of course it was. Even in her death, she was still bringing life. So, sometime later, I mean, it's inevitable. You, you try so hard to keep yourself away, but even though I am what I am now, at the core, I... I'm so human and crave interaction of sorts, you know, with others. We just inherently are like that. We need others in our lives. So I had every opportunity to leave her behind or ignore her cries or 
But no, I could hear the desperation and loneliness in her voice because it echoed so clearly my own feelings as well. So I reached out and sought her out and found her just cowering in this cave that wasn't too far from my garden. And at first, she wanted nothing to do with me. She did everything to push me away and she would scream and yell and spit her words in my direction as if she blamed me just as much as those who had cursed her. But I stayed. Despite all that, I made this resolution to myself that I wanted to help her in every way I could because I had been like this for some time and it's difficult, but I thought to myself, you know, it may have been better if there was another like me there and I assumed that I didn't necessarily ask her thoughts. I thought that she would be so much like me and how could she think differently? So, for a time, we spent some time together. I did my best in explaining my own situation and what had happened and trying to tell her you're not alone in this world, which partially was true, but it was also such a naive statement now that I'm looking back on it. Perhaps we were in a similar situation, but by no means was it the same. It didn't take long before I really understood her hate and spite. It wasn't because of what she was turned into. She was like that long before that curse. And she soon opened my eyes to the truth. And I was horrified by the things that she had done in the past. And at some point, I was actually finding myself on the side of those who had ended up cursing her, and it was such a complicated feeling with me being in my own position. At some point, when I had done everything I could to teach her and help her adjust to this new life, I didn't realize that she was using me learning this knowledge to hurt instead of help. I didn't know at that time because I was just so blind to my own, my own feelings that I was putting on her and she just, at some point she understood and she just went with it until she got what she needed and she tried to dispose of me so that she could continue on with her revenge. Having this sort of curse placed on someone, of course, I mean, those who do that are by no means innocent, but the way that she was, she wanted the world to burn, not just the few who had wronged her. That would not be enough. She needed to go further. She needed to just needed everything to suffer and I had a choice to make I was the only one who knew her true power and I was the only one I felt that could maybe stop her 
And so in the moment where she thought she had ended me, well, she found that she was wrong. There is a secret. There is one way to finally defeat one such as us. And this was, it was very difficult for me. I had to go find this object myself because of course I am not so foolish as to keep anything like this around in case if I ended up doing this to myself with an accidental glance or just forgetting where I placed it and coming upon it so suddenly. So I went on a sort of quest to obtain a mirror. It was with that mirror that I forced her to gaze upon herself to really see what she had become, honestly, for her to really see what she had always been. Because even then, in that moment, she still rejected it, she still blamed everything else. She never could understand that all of this awfulness was coming from herself, and so I forced her to turn herself into stone. And she still stands there in my garden with that horrible face of blame and pure hate. And it's hard for me to see this statue because I know that that look is for me. Even though I forced her to look at herself in the final moments of her life, I know that all of those feelings are for me. Well, now that I'm racked with guilt, not feeling much better, like the hell I was hoping, I finally turn away. Moving on, you see two routes ahead of you. On the left, there is no truth path to be seen, but a small rift in the sea of flowers ahead shows that a walkway has been somewhat forcibly made over time. A large stepping stone rests just on the edge of the flowers, seemingly leading you in. The right path cuts through a sea of daisies, all blowing in one waving motion with each gentle breeze. The sunlight reflects off of their white petals, almost beckoning you forward. Honestly, with that, I think I'm going to continue going to the right. Walking along the flower-flanked pathway, you find yourself nearing the exact center of the garden. The sun is bright overhead, sunbeams shining down and illuminating the statue, resting, surrounded by flowers, in the sunlight clearing, the most beautiful statue in the garden. Mm, debatable. Whoops. Who were they? How did you meet? What makes them beautiful in your eyes? The person resting in the center of the garden is a child. He is always surrounded by these daisies and the brightest and most colorful flowers that I can find. And I purposefully make sure to tend them so that they always grow long and wild, that they curve ever so slightly over his tiny form. He is beautiful in a very different way 
than the other two statues because he was so young and innocent and full of life. There was so much ahead of him that was cut short. He was a son to a king and was to become a king himself one day. This was during a time of turmoil and confusion and fear in all the land that no one knew what to do. The king at that time was mad, many would put it. He was leading the country into the ground. He was ruining them. And there was fear and blame. They wanted to overthrow him. Not only him, but his whole family. I accidentally encountered his son without knowing. He and his family were fleeing undercover, heavy cloaks in the darkness of night. And at some point, of course, having been hunted, they ended up scattering. And he was lost in the forest and stumbled upon my garden. I, of course, am careful to always cast my gaze downward so I would never unintentionally look into the eyes of someone unsuspecting and turn them to stone. So it is good that I have trained myself this way because it spared him. And he it was odd. He wasn't afraid of me. Not like the others when they first encounter me and realize what I am. If anything, he was almost relieved. He told me he felt protected in this garden of mine. So, he stayed for that night, talking to me in this very small voice, full of wonder and curiosity, with just that tinge of fear that a child has when there's so much going on around him that he can't quite understand, but he still did his best to get through it. He was also very smart for his age. He was very mature as well. They had taught him well with his schooling. He understood his situation. He knew what the world wanted to do, what they thought of him as, and that they had been constantly screaming for his death for so long. And I just remember that sad smile that he had as he told me some stories of his past and his siblings and he had seen the madness in his own father. He saw hints of it being passed down to his own brothers and sisters. Looking in a mirror, he would almost catch a twinkle of it in his own eye. It was something that he couldn't escape that none of them could, and he understood that. Just outside the garden, because it is protected by my veil, you can just barely hear the sound of hooves and the swords clinking against the metal, the voices demanding for the blood of the royal family. I remember his face in the moonlight, and how resolved it was 
how sad it was. Even though we only spoke for that one night, it felt like I knew this child. Like I had known him since the day he was born, we had shared so much in such a short time. Even when there were pauses or moments of silence, I could still see him, understand him. And so, it almost struck me as odd that as the sun began to rise and the way that he straightened his back and had this very small, sad smile on his face, somehow I already knew what he was going to ask of me. I had thought it was difficult with the last statue. I thought that was hard, turning her to stone. I was wrong. When he turned towards me, and he asked me with such sureness and finality to please help him escape what was lying in wait for him outside the garden and to please help him stop himself from becoming what his father was because he knew deep down there was no escape he would rather lie peacefully in a bed of flowers it tore me in a way that I didn't think was possible but I didn't say no I didn't fight with him because I knew that that is what he truly wanted in his heart and so we found a spot where I already was growing a lovely patch of those daisies and we dug out a small little area in the middle of it and he settled himself in crossing his arms across his chest and his eyes turned upward towards the sky we waited long enough so that he could see the colors splashing across the sky as the sun began to show itself over the mountains and with that he closed his eyes, he smiled, and then he opened them, looking into my own. In here, he still lies, smiling. Resting for a moment before going forward, two choices before you. To your left, a carefully tended path. All plants lining it are perfectly groomed and trimmed. Not a single dead leaf or bud to be seen. The yellow flowering bushes look perfect in the sunlight. The path on the right looks to be in the process of becoming overgrown. Vines climb up the trees and across the dirt trail, hungry to cover everything they touch. Moss covers a small stone wall, edging the right side of the path. I am going to go towards the left. The path you walk is meticulously maintained with perfectly groomed plants lining it. It is one of your favorite paths in the garden, one that goes to a place of great pride for you. 
one that warrants having a perfectly groomed path leading to it. The perfect path opens up to a perfect clearing, and in the middle of the perfect clearing is a familiar person, someone who nearly killed you. Who were they? How did they come to find you? How did you make it out of the encounter alive? Ah, oh, yes. The knight. The one who thought that he could prove to everyone how powerful he was if he were the one to kill the Medusa that stalked the gardens and lured children to their doom who preyed on maidens and ended kingdoms in one fell swoop. Ah oh, yes, at this point I knew very well the sort of reputation that I had, the rumors that everyone spread about me, and the lies, the slander. I knew that this would happen, especially after the child. How the story would be twisted and they would do whatever they could to make me look to be this heartless monster. He was not the first to try and take my head. No, there were many others. But none were nearly such an adversary as he was. I will admit that he gave a good fight. He tried to trick me, he tried to entice me, and then when all failed, that is when he recklessly went in for the kill, and he was very good with the sword, very clever as well. For a while, though, I admit I was toying with him, because in my eyes I knew that no matter how good he thought he was, I was better. I don't only tend my garden, I train as well, because I know that there are those out there who wish me dead, but I refuse it, because there are those here that I must protect, and I must ensure that though their lives are gone, that at least their stories remain. And so long as I am here, at the very least, so long as I have them in my memory, in that small way, at the very least, they still live in this world. And I cannot let them perish. And so, yes, I would train and make sure that I am always prepared for such a thing. And of course, I know my garden so well, so the way that I taunted him and lured him this way and that, I admit I took some joy from it, but it wasn't until he began to understand just how important the statues were that he started to carve them up. He started first with my sister, and that sparked something in me. Once he knew how angry it made me and how scared I was, he sought out the others. He had gotten near the child, and he managed, he managed to scrape away here and there. Luckily, I managed to 
reach him in time before he could truly do anything horrible. But it was when he got to her, that is where the line was crossed. As much as I say that that is the most beautiful and perfect statue in my garden, there is a mark that he made on her. And I had never felt so angry in so long. Not since the first time that I had become what I am and lost my love. Never had I been so furious. But he woke that beast within me by attacking her, by obscenely taunting me with her. And so, I ended him. But I had known at this time that I have some control over my power. When I turn my gaze on a mortal and who returns the gaze, they don't turn immediately. I can decide how long it takes. I can decide where it begins and spreads from. So for him, it started from inside. He could feel his heart slow. He could feel his lungs begin to fill with this heaviness. He would choke on air, not really understanding what was happening inside. I delighted in the fear in his eyes as I watched him slowly, so slowly, turn to stone, literally from the inside out. I drew it out for hours watching him writhe on the ground, at first calling out in fear and pain until his throat closed up with stone and he could no longer scream. It may sound sickening what I did to the statue, the one that was so picturesque to so many which is why I mockingly made the area very similar to that. Everything is just so perfectly made. It may seem cruel, but I had known who this was. I knew why he was here. And the fact that he delighted in the pain that was wrought upon me as he carved up those statues, he had this horrible smile that was cruel and wicked and terrible. And another thing that I'm capable of is that I can truly see a person in their last moments. And I could see in his eyes what he had done before to others. And so I have no remorse for what I had done to him in return. Giving the statue before you one last glance, you walk around it and to the head of two divergent paths. The left, a shorter walkway than others in the garden. Rose bushes flanking either side of the path, blooms of all different colors in full display. 
The right, a clear and well-maintained path, meticulously trimmed bushes, set a few feet back from the stone walkway as ivy grows along the edge of the trail, carefully kept from the path itself. I lean towards the left. You step onto the path, the last path you will walk today. It is a path that you try to walk as often as you can to make sure you can pay the proper respect to the person waiting for you at the end of it. Gathering some flowers carefully as you make your way to the clearing, you have a sizable bouquet by the time you have reached the path's end. Approaching the statue and removing the previously placed flowers, you lay the new bundle at its feet and look up into the eyes of someone who tried to save you. Who were they? Why were they determined to save you? How did they try to? The statue that is before me is someone that I know and don't know at the same time. Someone I guess I should have a close bond to, but I never really did. At least not until the end. I did have a family before I was turned. A sister, a brother, my parents. And I guess we were close enough. I was turned into this form. And I had not seen my family ever since I was turned. I never had any intention to because, well, at that time I feared I would cast them into stone with my gaze. But then I also feared what they would think, what they would see. And as the years passed on, I had assumed they did too. For they were still mortal. It turns out I wasn't. I had never anticipated that anything similar could befall any of my family. It was actually only recently that I saw my sister again, but I didn't know it was her. It had been such a long time that I even thought of my family because I knew that. They were long gone. They had to be. But then, so much time had passed, and suddenly, there she is in my garden. I didn't know for the longest time. I tried very hard to convince her to leave, and then when that failed, I tried to force her to leave. That, of course, failed too. So, she had stayed, and... Over time, I started to get used to her presence, and she started to tell me stories of her own journeys, where she had gone, and how she ended up where she is today, but leaving gaps here and there, just enough so that I couldn't quite piece it together, because it was obvious that I didn't know who she was, but she, of course, knew who I was. Her goal was to find me again. But not only that, but to find a way to cure me. She had made packs. She had given up parts herself. She had made sacrifices, all in a desperate hope of finding me and freeing me because she knew what happened and she wanted to help. We were so close when we were young. 
We kind of grew apart as we were getting a little older, but she still had a deep love for me. And it never really went away. So she had spent all this time trying to save me. But of course, she twisted her tails just a little bit. That it was for someone else. That there was another that she was trying to save and had made so many deals. And she too became something else in a way that was similar and not too different from my own. And was ultimately led here. The frustration, though, was that she still had no cure. All of her leads ended up into nothing. Having there been so few of my kind, it was just near impossible to find any sort of research or anything. She was at the point of losing hope when she stumbled into my garden, some would say by fate. She thought that perhaps she may have, even though she didn't find anything in all that time, she had finally found me and she found a glimmer of hope once again. And so, for a time, we were together and we shared so many things. I don't remember ever speaking so much as I did with her. It felt right to open up and tell her so many things that I've always wanted to tell someone else. Of course, it makes sense now, but at that time, I still just didn't know. She had tried everything to find me and cure me. There was nothing left. She told me of the child she had lost, the love that was left behind. She told me of her parents growing old and eventually moving on to the next life. And yet she was still the one going and seeking and searching and making all of these deals with those who you need to be very careful of making deals with. It was sad to see it happen because she knew from one of those deals that she had made that she would find the cure shortly after finding me, but to be warned because it wouldn't be in a way that she would think. And so while we spent our time together, she would also look in my garden, peering at everything, every nook and cranny, and asking questions about all of the plants, and trying various concoctions and such. And she thought that the cure was in my very garden, from what she was told. In some ways, what she was told wasn't entirely wrong, it was just misleading, because she did cure me. It was when she had finally revealed to me who she really was and what we really were to each other. I remember embracing her. All of those memories had come flooding back in that moment when she had revealed to me that truth. And in that moment, we had shared it together, this 
pure happiness and joy and that feeling when you've been when you feel as if you are missing something and you finally found that piece and you feel a little bit more whole a little bit more put together and i was so happy and so filled with warmth and joy that in a way i felt cured of the darkness and in that instant she in a sense saved me and because of a deal that she had made so long ago because she had fulfilled that want and desire of finally saving me it was in our embrace when she turned to stone and it happened so fast that I didn't fully realize it until I tried to pull away but was held fast by her grip her warm body was suddenly so cold and brittle at the same time I was at my happiest moment in so many years and within that same moment it also became one of the worst. I held on to her for, well, I'm not sure how much longer when I realized what happened, what had been done, and those tears of happiness dissolved into tears of grief. We were like that for a time until I finally had to force myself out of that frozen embrace. I couldn't look into her face after that because my heart was broken once again. It seems that this cycle just seems to continue over and over. She is another who is precious to me. She is another who I will do everything to protect because, as I said before, in a way, everyone here still lives on if at least one other has memory of them, and so I will do my duty to always remember every statue that is here, knowing that I may be their last bit of lifeline to this world. I place my flowers at her feet. I wrap my arms around her and hold her gently, closing my eyes, taking a deep breath, and then letting go. I stand up and turn my face towards a path leading out of the garden. I take a small step, and then another, until I am finally out. There is this sense of loss, this sense of peace, these feelings that conflict with one another every time I'm in this garden. But I know that it is mine and that I will always be a part of it as much as it is a part of me. And so as I leave my garden and whisper goodnight to it, I know that once the sun rises tomorrow, it will begin again when I walk down 
all of those paths and see each statue within. Then remember, because that is what I am meant to do and that is what I have sworn to do.